Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. So, one of our core values as a church is that every weekend matters. Because you don't know who's going to walk in the door every weekend and what they're going through and what they've just experienced in their life and that every weekend matters to you. It matters to new people. It matters every weekend that we're here, that we show up, we're ready, we're full of Jesus, right? That we have the grace and the goodness and the love to meet people in their very need in their moment, amen? What an awesome opportunity we have every single Sunday to make an impact on people's lives. Amen? Come on. That should, listen, look, that, that, that story is why we started this church. Okay? Stories just like that. This is why we started this church, is to be hope, to be life, to show people Jesus in some of their darkest moments in their life. Amen? Come on, give it up for Jesus one more time. If you got a sleepy neighbor next to you, just elbow them right now, okay? Just, just give them a good shot in the ribs, okay? If you break a rib, it's just what we need to do this morning, okay? All right? Look, we're going to have a good day. Amen? We're going to have a good day. We're going to have a good day, right? If you all rock with me, okay? Right? You got you to gotta flow, Got to flow with what God wants to do, okay? You can't, like, just zone out. You got to gotta press in. That's why we're here, okay? We didn't come here to just be like, hey, brother, good morning. Been a long week. You know what I mean? There's a bunch of other churches to do that at, okay? Not this church. This church, we are alive, okay? This church, we press into God. This church, we want to hear what God has in store for us, Right? We're desperate for God to change our lives. Amen? All right, if you got a Bible, pull out your Bible. How many of you are on the Bible plan right now with us? Isn't it so good? Come on. So happy. Leaders are doing a great job. Go with me to Acts chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. We'll have it on the screen for you. Acts chapter 16. We were in this story last week, Paul and Silas, but I told you last week, there's just so much so much to pull from this text. Verse 22. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a bad day, okay? That's a bad day, okay? They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. Verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What a great perspective. What a great picture. And all the other prisoners were listening. Verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Can we get an amen for that, okay? The jailer woke up to see the prison doors were wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. He was, in, he was terrified. 
But Paul shouted out, stop, don't kill yourself, we are here. Then he brought them out and he said, sir, what must we do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him. Oh, what a, gosh, this text is so good. They're not focused on themselves at all at this moment. This is a moment that they could just go, you know what? I'm sorry, I, I gotta have a moment. How, how many times do you hear that in life? Like, I, I'm just having a moment, I'm having a day, I'm having, people go, I'm having a season. I'm like, you've been having a season for like three years having a season, right? Right? But they're not focused on them, they're focused on those sharing the word of the Lord with all of those that were in his household. Even at the night hour, hour the jailer called for their wounds to be washed. Then everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Wasn't it so cool to see everybody get baptized last Sunday? What a celebration of what God is doing. Yeah, you can clap for that, come on. Verse 34, he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He entered the household and rejoiced because all believed in God, amen. Listen, we're in this great series called Worship Like It Matters. We're seeing how worship has a direct impact in victory in our life, okay? I'm gonna tell you, okay, there, there's a lot of steps sometimes of finding victory, but one of the greatest steps of seeing real victory happen in your life is through this realm of worship. Okay, And here at Elevate, we truly believe that God hasn't called you to just get by in this life. That God has called you to live a life of victory through Jesus Christ. We are called to reflect Jesus to the entire world. So your friends, your family, even those coworkers you don't like that much, okay, they are called to see what? They're called to see Jesus through you. Galatians 5 verse 22 says this, when the Holy Spirit produces this, meaning what? These actions, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that the world should start seeing through your life. They should see joy. They should see your love. They should see faithfulness. They should see gentleness. Not being perfect, amen? Not perfect. But as followers of Jesus, we're called to reflect who he is to the world. But one of the most important attributes that you could ever show these kinds of different people is this, a life of victory. It's a life of victory. Why would the world want our life unless we are living a victorious life in Jesus? There's no, there's no reason at all. Listen, if Jesus overcame the beating, if he overcame being whipped, if he overcame being nailed to the cross, if he overcame carrying your guilt and shame, if he overcame going to hell in your place, and then three days later after all that, raising back to life, raising from the dead, if Jesus overcame, and let's get our theology right here. He didn't overcome as a spirit, he overcame as a man. Okay? When he rose, he rose victorious as a man. Because here's the deal, if he rose victorious as a spirit, that would mean this, that only our spirit could have victory. But he rose victoriously as a man so that he and us and we would know, we could look to Jesus and go, if he overcame, so can we. Amen? 
We are called to reflect victory in life to this world because that means this. When we reflect victory in life to this world, it means this. We overcame and so did others. That's why I love this text, verse 30. Then he said, what must I do? What must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Paul in silence, moment of victory, led others to moments of victory, amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Lord, we really welcome you. Come on, just tell the Lord. Just invite the Lord right now. Invite the Lord into your thoughts. Invite him into your heart, Lord. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to lead us, to direct us, to give us clarity, to give us vision, to give us hope, to change our perspective today. Lord, come in and renew our soul, we ask. We love you. We give you this day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. You like that? Yeah? Hold on. I, I, can I get some help? Give me a bite. I am sweating. I mean, like sweating all over my body, sweating right now. This is super intense. Oh my gosh, how tight is Oh, freedom in Jesus' name. Woo! You guys like this hoodie? We're going to sell these hoodies. Aren't they cool? Come on. I'm so excited about them. It's getting cold. Get a good new hoodie that says Elevate. You can say to people at the store, do you go to Elevate? You should come to Elevate with me, right? Okay. All right, point number one today, talking trash. Talking trash. What does talking trash mean? It simply means this. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to win before the game even starts, okay? <laughs> that's, that's talking trash. I'm going to tell you that you're a loser and that you're going to lose, and I'm going to beat you, and at the end of the game, you're going to realize how much of a loser you are, okay? <laughs> you're like, you're a terrible pastor, Okay. I'm going to win. I'm that confident, that confident. I remember I was 18 years old, 1998, Michael Jordan, they're in game, they're going into game seven at Eastern Conference Finals, one more game to go to the championship. Everybody's talking about the trash Indiana Pacers. If you're a Pacer fan, we will baptize you and get you saved in Jesus' name. But I remember at the press conference, Michael Jordan said, they said, what do you think about game seven? He said, we're going to win. He goes, they go, are you guaranteeing you're going to win? He goes, we're going to win. I'm like, yeah, talk that trash. Tell everybody what you're going to do before you're going to do it, okay? Listen, I want you to equate this. Worship, worship is talking trash to the devil, okay? Worship is confidence in who your God is. Worship is knowing that he is for you and he'll never leave you or forsake you and he's got your back and he surrounds you as a shield with his favor. He goes ahead of you and he makes a way where there is no way. He takes the crooked roads and he makes them straight. Worship is knowing who your God is. And when you know who your God is, you're talking trash to the devil. You tell him, like, listen, I know you think you broke me down. I know you think that I'm just going to give up, but I want you to know that I got something that you don't. I have the miracle working power of Jesus that overcomes you. 
Amen? Love this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient, sufficient for you. My power is made, per- is made perfect in your weakness. I'm thankful that I have some weakness, right? It allows God's grace to show up. When the enemy comes and he wants to beat me down, when the enemy comes and he wants to tell me who I'm not, I can go, no, 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 no. I know that I might not be strong in this area, but that's okay. My God is more than enough, and he's got my back, and I'm gonna worship in despite of what I feel right now. Listen, the key to victory is talking trash before you see the victory. You need to write that down. Talking trash, meaning what? Worship. I worship before I see the victory. Now, here's the A lot of times you go, Pastor Jeff, well, I'm just, I'm tired. Anybody tired this morning? Just long week. Just, you're just tired, right? You're like, I'm tired. You're like, I don't feel it. I, I, I know I've been, I've been talking a lot over the last few months about feelings, But I promise you, feelings will always lead you to destruction, okay? If you base your life upon what you feel, okay? Feelings will always lie to you. They'll redirect you from God's truth, from God's promise. I promise, I promise, if you use feelings as the indicator, the gauge for your life, you will find yourself very lost very quick. So you go, I just, I don't feel it. I don't, and here's the biggest thing a lot of times. We don't feel victory, right? When we're beat down, when we're tired, we don't feel it. So a lot of us turn up for church on Sunday mornings, and man, we are just tired, and we are beat down by life and the devil and all the problems of the week, and, you know, my ex, you know, made all this drama in my life this week, and I was working really hard, and it feels like I don't ever get ahead of myself, and, you know, like, oh, man, I watched this movie. How many of you remember this old school movie, Rush Hour? How many remember that movie? I was watching Rush Hour on Netflix, yeah, and I was like, oh, this is my jam. These are my people right here, okay? And he was talking to me. I won't say what he said, but he said, you know, I got baby He's pooping all over the place. You know what I mean? That's how you guys walk in. You're like, there's just a house is a mess, and there's a mountain of laundry, and there's just children throwing up and pooping all over the place. And right? Can I get an amen from anybody? Right? And this is how we show up. How we show up. And then you get to church, and we start into worship. We start doing songs of victory. Okay? Like I remember growing up there was this great song of victory that we would sing. It was called, This is the Day. Anybody remember that song, This is the Day? It go, this is the day. This is the day. Oh, no, I don't, know. That's, I don't like this version. Play me that other version. Play that, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on.
Man, you guys are so white. <laughs> so we would get to church. The song of victory comes on, right? We start singing songs of victory. But in your head, you're thinking, I'm out of breath, y'all. <laughs> you're thinking, if these are the days that the Lord has made, then maybe I need to find some different days. <laughs> right? Because you're coming in beat down. You're coming in tired. Right? You're like, maybe I need to find some different days. You start singing things like, this is the day, this is the day that the devil has made, that the devil has made. I'm a grumpy cat, I'm a grumpy cat, and I'll be sad in it. I'll be sad. And can I get an amen from anybody, right? That's how you turn up the church. Why? Because you don't feel it. You don't feel the victory. What do you feel? You feel the beat down. You feel tired. You feel the exhaustion. You feel that overwhelm. You feel those things. You don't feel the victory. So you think, man, I gotta find some, I gotta find some other days. I gotta find some other things. And so we just think, man, I just need to blow off some steam. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations like this. Like, I just need to go on vacation and get right. I just I need to, I just need a night out to myself and my girls. We just gotta get right. We just gotta get to Oktoberfest. We just got to get to that concert. We just got to get to this, and, and I'll get myself right. Because we're thinking, we got to find some different days. Don't act like I'm not preaching the truth this morning, okay? And here's the deal. We miss out on the opportunity to let God be our strength in the moment we get beat down. See, listen, listen, we're, we're missing out. Look, I, I want you to see this verse, okay? You gotta talk trash sometimes when you don't feel it. You gotta talk trash sometimes when you're not in that moment that you feel like you, you got the confidence to. Sometimes you have to talk trash when you're beaten down. This is why Acts chapter 16, verse 25 says this, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. I'm sorry, that doesn't make sense. I'm sorry it doesn't feel right. I'm sorry. But sometimes you're going to have to talk trash. Listen, we're missing out on opportunities where God wants to be your strength, but you're running to other things. You're missing the opportunity that God goes, I want to help you. I actually want to give you the wisdom you need right now. I actually want to give you the perspective you need right now. I actually want to give you the answer for your crazy kids that are driving you nuts. I want to help you. But we miss out on the opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit. I, one of the things that I love most about the Holy Spirit is that he's an encourager. He encourages you. You know why he encourages you? Because he sees the end. See, that's the problem. We don't see the end. We just see what we're in at that moment. We just go, you know what? My marriage is a mess right now. Right? You don't see the end. 
You don't see the day where your marriage isn't a mess. You don't see the end where there is victory and life, and now you're leading a group inside of Elevate Church and helping others find victory in their marriage. All you see is the mess that you're in at that moment, and there's no victory in life. But that's why it's so important to allow the Holy Spirit to do what? To encourage your soul, because he sees the end. And he'll bring an encouragement and go, hey, just hold on. Don't give up. Don't stop believing. Don't stop pressing in. Keep, keep trusting the Lord. Look, we have to learn, and I put this for a reason, and I want you to write this down. Say, write this down. I have to learn. Okay? I have to learn to what? Talk trash before I see the victory. This isn't natural. This is just like a kid that has to learn to ride a bike. And they're, listen, how many of you know when a kid rides a bike, they're, they're gonna fall down, they're gonna scuff their knee, they're gonna have moments where they're wobbly, they're gonna have moments where they, you know, just, they get going and then they hit a wall, you know what I mean? Like, like there's some crazy moments in that. But you, got, you just keep going, you don't tell your kids, hey, just don't, just give up. Right? You know? Like, I'll give you a real example. My son, Ben, he's, everybody wave at Ben. He's doing a camera right now. I'm embarrassing the heck out of him, okay? <laughs> Listen, we told him last night, we were, like, we were like, hey, you're running camera tomorrow. And he was like, I'm terrible at it. He's like, I miss dad all the time. He's walking all over the stage and I miss him. He's like, and he's like, I can't do this. And we we're like, no, 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 no. You can do this. He's like, last time I failed, I'm like, that doesn't mean you're going to fail next time, right? You got to learn. This is something you learn to do. You press through. Even though I don't see victory at the moment, even though I don't feel victory, even though, and here's the hardest part, for us as humans, we're always trying to perceive how God will fulfill our needs, right? You're trying to figure out in human reasoning how God will provide, how God will make this happen. So you have to learn to go, even though I don't feel this, even though I don't see this, I will still worship. I will put thanksgiving on my lips. I will thank God for the victory, even though I don't know how it will come. I will press in and just love Jesus. I'm, listen, I'm telling you, I know it don't feel right right now. I know it doesn't, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is a key to victory. You might dismiss everything that I'm saying, but the Holy Spirit is trying to get your attention to go, hey, there is real truth here. You have to learn to worship before the victory. Point number two is this, heavenly perspective. Heavenly perspective. What is that awful noise? Sorry, I have the touchiest ears in the world, okay? All right, heavenly perspective, okay? Let me ask a question. How do you perceive and process the ups and downs of life, okay? How do you process and perceive the ups and downs and the challenges of life, okay? Do you see challenges as God is against me? Great question, right? Is God against me, right? When, when things aren't going the way that I thought they were gonna go, 
when things are tough, when things are hard, when I have challenges, okay, when I feel beaten down, how do I see God? Is he against me? Do I see the challenges that are facing me as an opportunity for God to do something that I can't do in my own strength? Or do I process the challenges as, no, 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 God is against me? Because here's the deal. If you process and perceive that God is not for you, truly, and let me let that sink for a second. Because you can say all day, I can say all day, man, God is for me, he's not against me. But then when life is against you, do you really believe it in your soul? Do you really believe that that's true? That this is not God? And that this is not God's work? That he's actually actively working and fighting for me so that I can see victory? How do you perceive this? Because if I perceive life as challenges, the challenges of life, God is against me, then guess what? My attitude will change, right? I will, my whole entire demeanor, okay, sure will not be in an attitude of worship, okay? My attitude will not be in a place where I'm like, man, I'm gonna worship God through this moment. And can I just be really honest about worship? Worship, yes, happens on Sunday morning, but worship happens in the car. Worship happens in your house. Worship happens under your breath at work. Worship happens all the time when you just take a moment when life's crashing down and you go, God, I thank you that you are for me. You're not against me. I thank you that you're working all things out for my good. I thank you, God, that I'm gonna keep my mind and my attitude focused on you and knowing that you're for me. But if I don't see God that way, if I don't perceive that God is good and he loves me and his goodness is pressing towards me, then my attitude, right, my attitude gets all out of whack. And then when my attitude gets all out of whack, because my attitude gets testy and frustrated and disappointed, when that happens, what follows suit? My words. My words. When, when my attitude, I mean, have you ever seen somebody that is just frustrated and angry and they're just like, man, it's a good day to be alive, right? Man, they're cursing the day. They're cursing everything. I've been there, right? Your words become harsh and negative. And, and here's what's interesting. I'll, I'll hear the conversation Sometimes, and I'll, I'll read between the lines sometimes where you're like, you're, you're, you're talking and I can feel that you're not in a place of victory. I can sense it through your words, right? Listen, James chapter one. James chapter one, verse two says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, I love this, troubles of any kind, any kind, Man, that could be at work. That could be your children, right? That could be like, you know, you get a flat tire. Isn't getting a flat tire the worst? It's just one of the worst things in this world, okay? When troubles of any kind come your way, it says, consider it an opportunity of great joy. <laughs> Go 
Come on. Come on. Wow. These, these are, these are the, the um, arguments that I will have with Jesus when I get to heaven, okay? All right? For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. I think I said this a couple weeks ago, that God is interested in growing you. He's interested in growing your endurance. He's interested in making sure that you make it to the end. Super important. Can you get to the end? Like the end. Will you stand before Jesus and he goes, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come into my joy. Come into this paradise I have for you. Come in. Can you get to the end? Right? Endurance. You're going to have to have endurance. And I love verse 4. It says this, so let it grow. Why does the Bible say let it grow? Because God knows human nature, our soul, will fight against what God wants to do. Right? Like our soul, right? And I'm going to, listen, I'm going to preach on this in a couple weeks, and I'm going to blow your mind. I mean, blow your mind. Listen, your spirit always wants to do what God wants to do, but your soul is constantly fighting what God wants to do. So he says, listen, I know human nature. Human nature is to run. Human nature is to not worship when it's hard. Human nature is to not worship when you're not seeing victory. Human nature is to give up. So he says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But here's, I love this right here. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver like people who have divided loyalty. They're unsettled like the waves of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Listen, the only way that you and I can perceive the challenges of this life as joy. <laughs> right? How do I perceive it as joy? I know I'm going through this hard moment, but if I, the only way that we can perceive it as this is joy is if I truly believe, truly at the core of me, believe that God is good and he wants the very best for my life. That's the only way. It's the only way. I have to believe that God is good and he wants the very best for me. And if I perceive it that way, if I perceive that God is good and he wants the best for me, then I'm able to worship through the challenges of this life. Because I know this is just but a moment, right? This challenge is just a moment. This hardship, it's just a moment. What I'm feeling is just a moment. Can I say that what you feel is just a feeling, it's just a moment? It's just a moment? But here's the deal. 
When I don't perceive that God is good, when I don't see that God is good and I don't truly believe that God is good, then what? My loyalty is always divided. One minute, God is my strength. The next minute, I'm looking for something on social. I'm looking for something from my friends. I'm looking for wisdom from people the Bible says are unwise to give me wisdom to go through what I'm going through. Why? Because my loyalty is divided. Because I don't believe that God's truly good. But when I believe that God is truly good, I'm able to worship through that moment. That's why Paul and Silas are able to go, you know what? I know it's really bleak. I know it's really hard right now. We're hurting. We've been beaten down. We've been thrown, the Bible says this, into the innermost part of the jail. I know that there's really no hope for us, but we do have hope. We do have victory. The victory and the hope is in who we know and we know Jesus. And so we're going to worship because we know that he is for us and he's truly not against us and he's got our backs. Amen? Come on, this should make you happy. All right, point number three, earthquake. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And all the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, verse 26, suddenly there was what? A massive earthquake. Now, I know we would never think of earthquake in a positive sense, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you some things today. A massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Okay, I want you to see this. Earthquake. It represents, when there's an earthquake, it represents a moment where everything changes. If you've ever been to an area, and I know that we don't really deal with earthquakes and go through earthquakes here, I understand that. But if you've ever been to an area that there was an earthquake, you'll go to that area and you'll go, wow, everything changed when that happened. Everything changed. The whole landscape, everything looks different, everything feels different, everything changed when that earthquake hit, everything changed. Right? So what does it mean? It's a moment, it's a moment when everything shifts. Right? Everything shifts. Nothing stays in the same place when there's an earthquake. Everything gets rocked and everything what? It shifts. Listen, worship, worship is like an earthquake. Okay? Look. When the enemy beats you down, but you choose to still worship, it's like sending an earthquake through hell. Did you get that? When you choose to worship after he has beaten you down, when it doesn't make sense, you are sending a shift. Now you may not feel it in the natural right away, okay? And I need you to get this perspective. Things don't always change in the natural right at that moment, okay? But guess what? Things are changing in the supernatural. Things are changing in this other world that has an effect on this world and you're sending an earthquake through hell. Listen, worship 
focuses us not on us and our problems. Worship focuses us on Jesus and his victory in life. It shifts us. It changes our perspective. It changes the way we see. Listen, um, let me show you why we worship. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus. He's quoting Isaiah 61, okay? He actually pulls out the Scriptures, and he says, hey, I'm going to read this Scripture from Isaiah about the coming Messiah. And so Jesus starts to read the Scripture, and he says, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to help, to bring hope to the poor. Come on, somebody. Listen, I, I mean, you may, be, you may be struggling financially. You may be struggling in your soul. You might be poor in your emotions. You might be mentally poor right now. You might have a poor, broken soul. But God has come to bring hope to it. It says healing. Healing for the brokenhearted. New eyes for the blind to preach to the prisoners that you are set free. I love this part. I have come to share the message of what? Jubilee. And here, I want you to get this, okay? The year of Jubilee in, the, in, in Israel, it happens every 50 years. Okay? Every 50 years, they would have the year of Jubilee. Okay, And what did the year of Jubilee represent? It represented this, that everybody was released from their debts in the year of Jubilee. Could you get an amen for that? Could you imagine having all of your debt canceled? In the year of Jubilee, all debts were forgiven. In the year of Jubilee, all slaves were released. Anybody who had been made a slave was released in the year of Jubilee. During the year of Jubilee, every bit of property that was owed to you was returned to you. Anything that was stolen from you was returned to you in the year of Jubilee. Listen, in the year of Jubilee, it was a year of rest. How many of you go, man, I'll take a year of rest. I'll take a year of just chilling and resting my soul. How many of you would go say, hey, that would be an earthquake moment if that happened in my life? If I experienced the year of Jubilee, if I experienced the year where God brought relief to my soul, brought relief to my life, brought relief to my marriage, brought relief to my finances, brought relief to me. And can I just say, uh, listen, I want to speak this and I want to declare this. I want you to know that you can prosper in this economy right now. You can prosper in this land right now if your eyes are clearly focused on Jesus. He's got the wisdom. He's got the thoughts. He's got the creativity. His kingdom isn't broke right now. And he knows how to take good care of you and to prosper you even in this moment and even in this time. I promise you, you can succeed. Now, I want to share this with you. Here's the best part. You don't have to wait 50 years. You don't have to wait 50 years. I need you to understand this. When Jesus reads this, Okay? 
He's reading Isaiah 61, okay? They all freak out. You know why? Because Jesus goes, it's happening right now. It's happening. I'm, I'm the Messiah. I'm fulfilling the scripture. This is me. This is me. I just need you to put your hope and your trust in me. I am. I am the year of Jubilee. I am the year of Jubilee. You can trust me. And I'll bring, <laughs> this is what I love. See, we don't live in the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament, okay? And we live under the disposition of grace. We live under God's grace and his mercy. So Jesus was saying, listen, you can put your hope and trust in me. And guess what? Every year will be the year of Jubilee. Every year. Every year will be the year of Jubilee. Every year. I'll bring good news to the poor. Every year, I'll heal the brokenhearted. Every year, I'll proclaim victory to the captives. Every year, I'll set the prisoners free from their bondage. Every year, I'll cancel debt. Every year, I'll set you free from what the enemy has done in your life. Every year, I'll take what the enemy has stolen and return it seven times fold to you. Every year, I'll take good care of you if you'll put your hope and trust in me because I am the God of the year of Jubilee believe. So I need you to see this. I, I need you to get this. When you worship, when you worship, what are you doing? You are declaring the year of Jubilee over your life over your finances, over your home, over your children, over your life, over your future. When you, when you declare the goodness of God, you're telling the, you're telling the devil, hey man, it's not about me. It's not about my goodness. It's not about my good deeds. It's not about what I've done in my past. It's not about how, you know, good my business is or isn't. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. See, oh my gosh, you think you're the one that brings finances to you. He's the one that gives you breath in your lungs every single day to get up and even go to work. You think you're the one that can provide for yourself. You think you're the one that can bring increase. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the one that owns it all and has it all. He can bring it to you. He can increase you. He's just looking for you to trust him right now. He's just looking for you to worship right now. He's just looking for you to go, you know what? I don't feel victory right now, but I know victory is on my horizon because I know that my God is good and he's for me. He's not against me. Amen. You declare it's the year of Jubilee. My focus isn't on me. My focus isn't on my house. My focus isn't on what I lack. See, the enemy works so hard to tell you what you're lacking in this life. He works so hard to tell you what you don't have. He's working so hard to tell you about how terrible your job is. He's trying to tell you how bad the economy is. He's trying to tell you how bad the world is right now. He's trying to focus you on all the negative and all the hate and all the lack of this earth. And God's going, stop looking at all that. Refocus your eyes on me. I am the God of the year of Jubilee. And Jesus didn't say, hey, the year of Jubilee doesn't happen in the year of 2022. 
He never said, hey, I want you to know there's going to be some years of Jubilee and there's going to be some years of not. He said, no, 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 I'm here and I'm fulfilling the year of Jubilee. It is a year of Jubilee every year with me. Amen. Come on. But you got to believe that God is good. You got to perceive that God is good. And once you start worshiping out of that perspective, once you start seeing life out of that perspective, then you will look at God and you'll go, God, you will make a way where there is no way. You'll make a way. You'll make a way where I can't perceive there's a way. You'll make a way where there just doesn't make sense to make a way. You'll make a way, God. Come on, stand up with me. We're going to worship. And I want to challenge you today. I want you to worship from that perspective. Come on, come on. I want you to worship from that mindset. I want you to worship from a different perspective, a heavenly perspective, a heavenly perspective that says, no, God is for me and he's with me and he's got my back. And I know that I'm facing some struggles. I know I'm facing some hardships, but I know my God will make a way where there is no way. My God will part the Red Sea where it doesn't make sense. My God will part the seas and I'll walk across on dry ground and I'll get to the other side because my God is truly with me and he is for me. Come on, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to raise your hands to heaven and we're gonna worship, we're gonna praise, we're gonna sing and we're gonna give glory to God. Come on. I love that line at the end. It says, Jesus, it's always been you. I want you to close your eyes this morning. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just say, there's a bunch of us in here today. You gotta give up trying to figure God out. You gotta, you gotta give it up. You gotta give up trying to figure out how and when and why. And you gotta give up all these thoughts. You gotta lay them at the feet of Jesus and just go, Jesus, I'm just gonna worship you for who you are. You are good, you are faithful, you are kind, you are merciful. So I know that I can let go of when. I can let go of how. I can let go of these thoughts knowing that you are so good. I don't have to think about them anymore. I don't have to let them dominate my thoughts anymore. I don't have to let it ruin my day anymore. I don't have to let it dominate all of my thinking when I'm trying to hang out and spend time with my family and I can't be present anymore. I don't have to do that anymore because I can let it go to Jesus. He's good. He's good. Come on, sing out that very, very last part. Come on, come on, sing out that very last part right there. Come on, sing it out with a new perspective. Come on, lift up your voice.
thank you for your grace and your strength. We don't overcome in our own strength and our own grace, but it is truly you, your help. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that when they awaken in the mornings, they would feel your strength. They would feel your hope. They would feel your joy. They would feel you next to them, walking through life, going through these challenges with them. But Lord, we thank you that you are the God of victory. Come on, just thank him for a second. Just say, thank you, God. I thank you, God, for victory in my finances. I thank you for victory in our home, victory in our marriage, victory in our children, victory. God, we thank you that you're a victorious God that leads us to victory, to victory, to victory in Christ Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We bless you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for your truth, your spirit and life that has encouraged us today. We bless you. We honor you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, one more time. Give it up for Jesus, his word. Come on.